You're listening to the Ministry Grow Show, brought to you by Reliant Creative, the creative agency for gospel-centered ministries. Find out more at ReliantCreative.org. Welcome to the Ministry Grow Show, a podcast dedicated to helping churches and ministries grow and make more effective impacts for the kingdom of God in an ever-changing digital world. Whether you're building and growing a gospel-centered ministry or leading a church, if you want insight into the strategies, struggles, challenges, and successes of other ministry leaders, you've come to the right place. Welcome back to the Ministry Growth Show. Today on the show, I'm going to be talking with Brian Soy. He's the president of Aspire Branding. Brian, thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Zach. I'm really excited to be here. And, yeah. Uh, I'm excited to have you. I, I uh, We just became StoryBrand certified. And so um, when I put up the post on the nonprofit channel to see if anyone wanted to reach out, I didn't know someone with your uh, experience was going to reach out. So I'm excited to have you on the show. Yeah. So you, everybody gets to listen to a new guide and an old guide, an OG. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, can you tell us a little bit about uh, your company, Aspire, maybe why you guys exist and what do you do? Sure. Many companies that we work with struggle to connect their products and services with the right buyers. And so we help small business owners and CEOs implement the story brand framework so they can attract ideal customers, make smarter marketing decisions, and ultimately build a business that wins trust and sustains growth. Um, and I like to share that our name, Aspire, sounds like Aspire. The word Aspire, we just added an extra character, but we're really about helping companies and causes achieve greater. Okay. And I can tell right off the bat, you're using that one-liner framework within your own communication. Absolutely. Everybody can see exactly how well it works. Practice what you preach. Well, and it's so important to do that because, you know, I've been in business 28 years. I don't know how many times, I mean, hundreds people said, what do you do? I'm like, uh, <laughs> and, and we have to have something that we, you know, that we, we talk about who we serve, why we serve and, you know, what, what positive changes working together can make. Uh-huh. That's cool. Now, your site lists that you're uh, a brand architect, a uh, brand strategist, a brand specialist. And obviously, um, like we already talked about, we met because you're a st- story brand certified guide. Can you explain uh, maybe the difference between all of those classifications? Sure. Yeah. And there's really, I think, two classifications. You know, it's, it's, it's like that it's branding. Branding is about brand and branding and brand strategy. The, the architect and the strategist and the specialist where story brands is really on the marketing side. And, you know, a lot of design professionals have some knowledge of brand and branding and which is like being a generalist. And there's a lot of agencies and a lot of design professionals who are general generalists. They know a lot about, or a little about a lot of things or a lot about a few things, but it's really being a, so the, the, journey from specialist to strategist to architect is one that follows 20 years of studying and applying the principles of brand, as I learned from Marty Neumeyer and other branding, um, and like the people who defined branding, um, Paul Rand, uh, Marty Neumeyer, for the last 20 years. And then I completed an 18-month series of masterclasses in 2022, just to, to realign my thinking and earned these three increasingly difficult levels of brand mastery. Um, mm. So we're 
we're moving beyond, you know, your logo is not a brand. Let's just get that out there. Um, Your your colors aren't the brand. The brand is really what people think and and the story they tell themselves about your ministry or a program you have, or it's the, it's literally the story they tell themselves about the organization as a whole or the cause you represent. And, and because I've, I've, written about and practiced what I call narrative branding for over 30 years, using words and messaging to help companies and causes create meaning that attracts consumers and donors who have shared values. That's where story brand comes in because story brand is, is a solid classic story telling framework that distilled the essentials of literally what are 36, I think components of storytelling into an actionable seven part framework and so I've synthesized these two disciplines together in a way that we uniquely practice as narrative branding. Okay. Interesting. Um, so it's, it's not just about what shows up in your communication and your messaging. It's not just what shows up in your visual brand identity. I mean, this is a holistic approach to developing a brand, making it a character within our stories, et cetera. Sure. Well, it, yeah, the brand can't, so the, the brand can be a character in a story or it can be the guide in the customer story. So it can be both. I think a lot of times, you know, founders, I would say even ministry founders, they, you know, it's, it's supposed to be about Christ and sometimes they make it about them. Mm-hmm. Um, we won't call out any names, but you know, it's, it's really, it's gotta be, you know, there's importance in the founder's story. Um, but we, we focus the the whole thing about branding is focusing on what the, what the end user or end consumer or donor or supporter thinks. What's their impression of the organization when they're done with an interaction, which is often the last good time. It's the last time you get to make a good impression is that last interaction they have. So the words you use, the experience they have, the ease of, let's just say, doing business with with the organization. And that could be a donation. It could be a church service. It could be a volunteer opportunity. All of those things contribute to that individual's perception of what they think about the entity or the organization or the institution. Um, And so that's why I think it's important to make those distinctions and why story needs to be such an important part of and in, in, in every aspect of how you tell a story of a brand. Hmm. Yeah. Now, offline, we discussed the idea of these, your 12 communication principles, <clears throat> excuse me, um, that, that equip any ministry and leader to communicate with clarity. Can you walk us through uh, some of those ideas and share how ministries can use these principles to communicate more clearly? Sure. And, th- and that last word you used it's, is really at the core of what it's all about. It's about communicating with clarity. And first, any ministry has to have strategic principles that guide its vision. Um, I like to say purpose guides you, mission drives you. And we all know that we have this great mission to invite people and beg people, as it says in Corinthians, to be reconciled to God. Um, it's about communication. It's um, character principles that guide how we connect with each other. Um, integrity, authenticity, credibility. And then it's about culture. It's these relational principles about 
that guide how we interact with each other. So there are culture principles inside organizations, inside ministries. This is how we treat each other. But there are also the principles, how do we treat people who come um, to our events, who come to church every Sunday, who um, are our donors and supporters? And then finally, character principles, which are about leadership, um, guiding people. And how do we guide people into a different future as leaders? How does that look? And so there's there's 12 different principles. Um, if I may, they're, they're from a book I wrote called Raise Your Voice, A Cause Manifesto. And the whole idea was like, there's, there's 12, I think, guiding principles that any organization can use as a framework for clarity and communication, culture and character. Um, so for example, um, a lot of, a lot of ministries at some point suffer from mission drift or mission creep. And so the second principle, first one is be strategic. The second one is be focused. And it's about eliminating distractions to pursue opportunities that enable us to fulfill our mission and achieve our vision, which infers that you have a mission and vision. Um, and, that, and those things are meaningful internally, but the idea is then, well, if we have guiding principles that that are like shared values that, that other people can say, I I really connect with this organization. It's those shared values that first start to connect. And we can see so many places in culture now um, where people are rejecting values that they don't believe with and then also rejecting the organizations that try to sell them things or try to get them to support things they don't believe in. Likewise, the alternative is to really push forward with your values and say, this is what we believe in. It's not saying this is what we're against. It's by saying, "What this is what we believe in. Will you join us? Mm-hmm. And it's the intersection of those shared values where organizations uh, find followers and followers find community. They're communicating those shared beliefs. And, and then within that being okay, that that's not going to align with everybody out there. It's not right. going to align with that. It's, it's niching your focus really. It, it, right. It's, it's the, the niche it's, and it's about shared values. Um, you know, in the business world, shared values are more critical than let's say company values because companies don't have values. People have values. So can, can we have a set of shared values that everybody must agree to, to work at a company? I think that's the way to go. Likewise, you know, being at a, in a ministry, um, context, we have to have shared values, so we're moving forward in a way toward a similar vision and, and goal. Um, we work with a Christian school, and that Christian school is built around what's called Patriot Principles. And there's seven shared values that the the school presents to parents and says, for your student to attend here, you need to agree to these because this is what we believe in, and this is this is the mind and heart of a disciple that we want to nurture. And those, those shared principles are then moved forward in all of their communications and even in their identity. So it just, it creates this holistic and comprehensive um, value base that everybody can work from and agree to, and even go back to and point at, it's like, Hey, that behavior doesn't align with these values. We need to talk about it. Okay. So how much of how much of the content in your book and in these 12 communication principles is your own stuff through your experience and years doing this strategizing with brand with organizations and companies and churches 
versus the story brand framework. I mean, even within that value system, there's, I see a little bit of nuance, whereas story brand might say, Hey, let's stick to three, or is this something completely separate? This predates story brand by many years. (laughs) Um, Raise your voice came out in 2014. I started writing it in 2012. And I like to say it took me 30 years to prepare and 18 months to write. So okay, this is about 30 years worth of thinking and applying. You'll hear, so you'll hear elements like the word, I mean, story brand is big on clarity. Um, that's one of the words I first noticed in the book, but I started talking about clarity 28 years ago when I formed uh, Aspire. And so, and, and so you can see that's why it's such a great fit. Really, a lot of what we do you know, there's design in what we do, there's strategy in what we do, there's marketing in what we do as an agency, but it really all falls into this, this continuum of communication. So how are we communicating? How are we interacting? What's the experience people are having with us and our employees? And, you know, that, speaking from a company perspective, and how do we, how do we connect with them in a way that makes them want to work with us? And this is for any organization. How do, how do you, as a nonprofit, connect with people in a way that makes them want to be part of your community. So, but if they're not clear about where you're headed, why, how are they going to follow you? Yeah. Well, I even, even hear some Simon Sinek in some of the verbiage that you're using this, the idea that companies don't have um, values, people have values, right? So this, are you, it's a, it sounds like your approach is incorporating a lot of different thinkers into how you approach brand. Um, yeah, I don't know. I can't really say I was not at all familiar with Simon Sinek until probably 2015. Okay. A lot of this has just come from in studying brand and thinking about the, the discipline of brand in a bigger way that relates to purpose and mission and vision uh, as, and so there's, I think, you know, I don't know if I was primed or <laughs> by just it being in the culture. Um, but a lot of this, I believe is my original thinking. Um, it just, it, there's really, there's no new ideas in this space. Mm-hmm. It's just that other people have arrived at the same conclusions in different ways. I yeah. think, um, I mean, like I know my model, I, I started earlier purpose, guides you. So these, this is what guides everything. Mission drives you. Um, vision inspires you. Um, but impact is what matters. And so any of that can apply um, to business or nonprofit, because if it's not for the impact, if it's not for we've raised funds in order to make this change in the future, or if we've created revenue, there's really no impact happening. So I I believe that for me is is an original insight. You know, it's always driving toward that impact of revenue of some, or, or change of the future. But I'm sure you can go to other, other, um, you know, experts or writers. I know a lot of my, my thinking is truly informed by Marty Neumeyer who wrote the brand gap and brand zag, Mm. uh, He's and he 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 was very supportive of my perspective on what I wrote about when it caused to, came to cause communications and branding for nonprofits. So I think we play off each other. 
um, at some point. Um, and now at this point in my career, I'm synthesizing different ideas. It's something that happens with age. Um, Arthur Brooks wrote about it in his book, From Strength to Strength. And he says, as you're younger, from 25 to 45, you have fluid intelligence, innovative new ideas, coming up with things people haven't thought of before, thinking in different ways. And then physiologically and um, physically, we change. And our, our mental processes change, so we start to crystallize more. And so... I've applied story, you know, I've I've applied story brand to the business model framework. I've applied it to behavioral science that came from um, and behavior design for Will, from Will Leach's book. Um, I've reverse engineered it to think about how do we position the brand as the hero, and whereas and then position the customer as the guy that helps the brand unlock its vision. Um, and so there's a lot of different ways you can synthesize mm. ideas. Um, the key is to how do we how do I create impact with those and turn them into product? Yeah, well, and I mean, really, I mean, you touched on this, but there's nothing new under the sun. And what what a lot of guys in this space, a lot of thinkers in this space, I think, coming to realize is we keep running into all we all keep running into the same problems as we work with ministries and churches and and businesses and companies, right? And so how do the there's consistency in the problems that we're running up against and trying to solve and and work towards and help out with as we come alongside organizations um and so i'm sure some of that there's some of that as well there there is because you know a lot of nonprofits or well any nonprofit you know that's a business that's a it's a tax exempt status mm-hmm. so Often they'll say, we can't do that because we're a nonprofit. Uh, we can't sell something. And I say, wait, 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 wait. Nonprofit of any kind is a, is a status. It's not a business model. So, so if your audience here is hearing me enter, enter you know, just interject business um, in exchange for the word ministry or nonprofit, these are business entities that have to be profitable in order to to sustain and maintain staff and programming. Um, it's, it's different though, the way they end up talking about it because most people, you know, when it comes to donations, we could do a whole nother podcast on the, this role of this clarity in fundraising and, and donor communications, but they'll say, oh, we've got these programs and people say, great, we'll support the programs, but we won't support overhead. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, then you need to change the story and you need to go to them and say, yes, but you have to reframe their thinking, which is a, what we call a six hats process, which comes out of problem solving, which is a branding, you know, uh, exercise that wait, overhead is part of the program because we can't just, you know, we can't just provide backpacks to children for, uh, their weekend food needs without having you know funds to buy the packbacks to buy the foods to distribute so that's been a huge uh, lesson i've learned and that we've applied over and over and over again is that in this is why story is so important and messaging is so important is because um, there's both business and mission in the business so essentially every nonprofit ministry um, every church is a business as mission organization they just don't think of themselves that way. And I bet they could be far more effective if they would think of themselves that way. Mm. 
Yeah. Well, that's a you're right. That's a whole other discussion. This marketing, well, I call it a strategy, tactic, whatever, what have you, permeated permeated by organizations like like Charity Water has done this and others, where a hundred percent of your donation goes to the field. Well, not really. They just have a couple billionaires that fund the admin side of things, and at the end of the day this money's going in the same pot. So um, I think there's a tendency for organizations to look at that and go, oh, well, we have to replicate that. We got to do that because they did it and they're successful at it. That's just brilliant marketing on on their part. But at the end of the day, like it's, there's not really much of a difference. It's just a, a shift in how we communicate. Sure. But it, it does then raise the potential of doubt and uncertainty from a value standpoint, if the, the supporter doesn't feel that that organization is being transparent in how they're communicating, how they're funded, and how the donation does. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I think it's absolutely dangerous. I think it's caused a lot of problems in the space for sure. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, like we said, whole nother topic. Yeah. Shifting from high level to like a pl- application, how can nonprofits um, identify unique value propositions and clear communication to communicate effectively to their audiences? Like, what are some tangible things that they can do to put this stuff into practice? So, first, they need to think about this 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 phrase that is probably unfamiliar to them: value proposition. So, they have to think. Okay, first, how do we propose to create value? for somebody or, you know, so let's just make up, uh, um, say it is a food pantry at a church, um, or, um, or or let's just, you know, use an example of an organization that supports trafficking, um, anti-trafficking initiatives and they're ministry based. Um, so they have, you know, they have to understand that they're, they're creating some, um, value for the people that get rescued, but they also have to create value for the donors. So they have to identify those things. And then they have to identify what it creates value for, what's the outcome they're driving toward. So these are these are still strategic in that sense. And then they have to articulate and communicate why those things matter and how people can get involved. Um, the great model to think about is how do you get how do you get people to participate? So participating on a ministry basis can say Will you pray for us? That's one That's one way to get people just to start participating. Often people go right for the wallet. You, you know, but if you ask people to participate, then, then it's a gentle way. It's like a um, transitional call to action. Will you pray for us? Will you, will you share this story with a friend of yours? Um, and next, then you want to get them engaged some way. You know, will, will you pray with us together on this group chat that we're going to have with hundreds of other people who believe in this. Um, there was there was a large organization that did that online quite a while ago to re- reveal how they were solving a trafficking issue. Uh, I think it was a faith-based organization. And you know, a lot of people went online to look and it just turned out ended up being um, like a fundraising appeal, I think. But then the third is to get people from moving from participating to getting engaged to what's the sense of ownership? Can you, can you make a donation to us? Not only can you just make a donation, 
can you be a recurring donor? And so just walking people through that path and using things like video to tell stories like here's, here's, you know, and it depends on the type of ministry. If it is trafficking, it might just have to be a, a masked per, uh, person whose identity is hidden, but just sharing their story of how, because of this organization, um, your donation, your prayers set me free. So it's, it's weaving these three things. Who is it for? What's it for? And the, the, the difference it makes into short stories, longer form um, narratives. Uh, but again, it all comes back to how you're telling that story and how are you then sharing that story with people to either attract them or get them reengaged. Okay. And specifically because our audience is in the faith-based space, mm-hmm. how do you think through, maybe with the story brand framework, this is a good example, that the hard part with the story brand framework is it you've got your, one, you've got your ministry as a character in the story. You've got the donor as a character in the story. Um, I think we often tend to miss out on the fact that the, beneficiary or what I would call a participant is a character within that story. And they are seeing all of our communication as well. And so how do we, I I think it can be dangerous at times to paint the donor as the hero when we've got beneficiaries who see all of this content, we're living in a digital world where, where it's no longer, we can keep those things separate. And so one, how do we ensure that we're communicating to all of those audiences well not alienating one over the other, um, but also for faith-based organizations, keeping Christ at the center of all this, because none of those three roles have any relevance in the story without Christ's centrality to all of it, right? And so wh- what are some ways that you think through that with within the work you do in the faith-based space? Yeah, good, good, good question. Um, so think about, so from the ministry standpoint, with Christ at the center, Christ has called us to this mission for the, let's say um, you mentioned donor and then you mentioned the people that the ministry has impact for, for the donor, it could be Christ has called us to this great um, purpose um, to advance this in the kingdom, to uh, help these people, but we can't do it without your help. And that, and that's there, um, and that that direct appeal. That's a direct appeal. We can't do it without your help. But there could also be a you know, you you may not know this about this ministry that we do. Can we help you grow in your faith and learn more about this ministry? Will you grow with us? So it's invite. So it's coming alongside them because I think the strongest brands don't just say, "Here's us. We believe you should believe this." They come alongside that that donor or brand donor, and they walk together, which is a discipleship model. So I believe at the core, great brand building is a discipleship model where you come alongside the person that you want to follow you and you guide and lead them and you grow together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then for the, for the uh, people who um, that the ministry does work on behalf of, that's where empathy comes in. It's like, Oh, you know, we understand that this is a hard time for you or, what we often use when we uh, talk to people about this meaning for meaning translation, Bible translation that we um, 
work um, Bible society we work with, they have a meaning for meaning translation. We say, we know you want to hear God's voice in clear, natural English. So we lean in a hundred percent with empathy and say, you know, we know you've got this challenge to overcome, but we can help. This Bible is, is in clear, natural English. You're going to hear God's voice in a way you never have without jargon and without any distractions of words that you may not understand. So it's, it's, Using the same principles, but just speaking in a different way with a different, it's like it moves from authority to the side-by-side model to empathy. So in the middle, it's building credibility. So there's trust. Like, we need your help. Oh, yeah. If you need my help, that must mean um, you're weak in this area. I can come alongside you as you know, the donor to the organization. So it does flip that guide to hero. Thanks for asking that question. It's helping me. I'm visualizing this and I'm seeing that transition in a different way that I never thought about before, but that, does that make sense to you? Yeah. Well, in your discipleship uh, analogy or metaphor, whatever it was um, with the donor and the brand walking alongside together, growing together in this disciple making type of relationship. I think that applies in the same way with the brands walking alongside the beneficiary or participant. It is also a disciple making opportunity. True. Right. We're, we're just calling both of those audiences into different things. Right. So a, apply it to a human trafficking organization, so organization fighting human trafficking. Both of us have stated that in a way that makes it yeah. sound like the organization is fighting for human trafficking, not um, against it. <laughs> trafficking. Hey, hey, this whole podcast so far has been about clarity of communication. You can see right there how dangerous it can get real quick if you're not clear. Um, apply it to a human if, uh, organization fighting against human trafficking. Um, I'm calling a donor into this journey in the same way I'm calling a ministry is calling somebody out of that or fighting to b- help them come out of that situation, a participant or a or beneficiary come out of that. And then a wa- walk alongside them in that journey and in that process. And so in both cases, I would say <clears throat> the hero is the donor and the beneficiary mentor is the guide. Um, and so we, our communication needs to speak to both of those audiences without alienating the other. I think that where we get, it gets dangerous is when we communicate everything to our donor as they are the hero and we just need their money to, to, as a handout to rescue people out of whatever situation, um, that can be come dangerous really quick. Again, especially in this digital world where everybody sees all of our communication now. Um, so that, that's how I would, I kind of tend to think of it. And then at the core of that, our stories become incredibly important. So how does, when we tell a, a beneficiary story or participant story, right. Of rescue out of a, the, a life of sex trafficking into transformational, redemptive, um, relationship with Christ, like this drastic, crazy story. If we tell that in the right way, using the right structure, what I would say in this hero's journey structure, that is not only the 
structure that engages with all people across all culture, across all time, um, but is hardwired into us by our creator. When we tell those stories, um, it's guaranteed to relate to our our other audiences because they're living that same story structure in the same way that little girl rescued out of a sex trafficking environment and into a relationship with Christ, maybe through the ministry's um, influence or not, maybe not. um, That is a hero's journey cycle that's taking place in her life. Mm -hmm. Now I may not have an experience that says I was rescued out of sex trafficking into a life transformational life in Christ or transform life in Christ. But I've had a transformational experience, a death to life transformation take place in my life through Christ's redemptive work. And not only did it happen 18 years ago when he saved me, but it's been happening ever since as he sanctified me. Mm -hmm. So I'm living that cycle over and over and over again on repeat. So I will always relate to that story and place myself in her story and relate to her because I'm living the same story. I'm living it out. It's not a one-to-one, but I can always relate in the same way I relate to Iron Man or uh, the Batman Begins movie or Star Wars or Lord of the Rings. Any of these films that we know and love, they're all the same story. They're all the exact same story on repeat with just different characters. Why do we relate to those things so consistently and repetitively over and over and over again? Because it's the story of our lives. And so when we start to think about, man, how do we, how do we tell stories that engage people across cultures, these massive cultural gaps, these massive language barriers, how do we engage with people? Well, we have to tell story at that story structured root level in order to do that. And what I find within the ministry space, even when we do tell stories, which is very seldom, even when we do, it's not really a story and it's often not story structured in a way that's relatable and, and, and engaging, right? We're oftentimes trying to insert our strategies or our, our organization too much into the story, or we're only ever telling about us videos. And then we sit and we wonder why it doesn't engage across cultures. Hey, I told this story of a little girl's transformed life. Why didn't it engage with my donor base? Well, you probably told a story about your ministry and your strategy and the data and statistics around all the work that you're doing. And you may have touched on or highlighted elements of her story, but you really didn't tell her story. And so as that's kind of how we think about it is there is Mm -hmm. both characters in this, in this story are incredibly important roles. The ministry doesn't exist without either one of those, right? Really central, central to all of this is, Christ at the center. So he's, if he's not central to our communication as a faith-based organization, of course, um, none of it makes sense. Sorry, I went on a rant there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was over here yelling amen and preach it, but you didn't hear me because I put my mic on mute. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but that, so what you, what you're talking about goes to a model that is, is used over and over. It's so it, it's our you know our salvation story. Um, I, I I once was a sinner. I was you know without Christ, without hope, and then 
God showed his great love for us by giving us the thing that was most precious to him, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for our sins. And now I'm set free in Christ. You can, so StoryBrand's a great framework, but you can distill any story down to those three elements. Yesterday, today, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Past state, current state, future state. Um, when we tell the story of a young girl who was trafficked or a child or a family who had food insecurity um, or, or, or anything, what, what we do is we try first to connect with empathy. And then we step into the story and say, but then they met or then they encountered or this happened. That's, that's the authority. This is, this is something that came from outside their circumstance to create a change. And then now this is what's true. Hmm. And those three elements of story, that's um, when you go back to, I believe it's the Greek, um, pathos, logos, and ethos. So pathos is emotion. So with empathy, with emotion, you you tell this story. Um, with then you then you speak a truth into it. That's the rationality of it. And then those two things together create credibilities. Like, is this story really true? Yes, it's true. This person had this experience, and then this happened to them, and now look at their life; it has changed. And that's what creates these authentic, resonant stories that compel us then to, to lean in, to listen. And then if you say, and you can be part of this person's story, or you can be part of the next person's story, then that, then you compels you to take, to take action. Mm. Um, and that's where it comes to us saying, we don't want you to just be a wallet. We want to we help you find an opportunity to create impact in a way that makes meaning for you, mm-hmm. which may mean for these ministries or churches or whatever saying, this is what we can offer. And this is where we invite you in, but this may not be right for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and my, most people are like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Do you believe in, do you believe in your, in your values and communication and, and your why enough to be okay with a donor going, you know what, you're not the right fit. Or guiding them to a better fit yourself. Yes, yes, and you know, and often that's where something like a Christian community foundation is an excellent point. If someone's just wanting to find a story where they can find meaningful opportunities for impact, is to go to a Christian community foundation and say, "Hey, we want to make a difference somewhere. We're just not sure where to turn. Um, I mean, our church wasn't able to help. We, we, there's just so many nonprofits out there. Can you help us?" Um, Sorry, that's just a little aside because we work with some Christian community foundations, but I've just, they're almost like a clearinghouse. And, you know, a lot of this, you know, communication is supposed to break down silos, yet we're still all siloed. Mm-hmm. This ministry is doing this over here and this one over here. And I don't know, I know people like, I'm starting a ministry. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> that's what the world needs, another ministry. Like, let's strengthen what's there. Because the more we try to start new things just because, you know, you felt this like slightly different little call to do something that's almost the same as this person over here, we're diluting our impact. Mm. And 
And that's because we're not communicating. We're not talking with each other. It's the, you know, this is the Western individualism, like in the U.S. at least, has broken us down into all of our, we're, we're our own silos, where we're supposed to be a community of faith working together for God's purpose, not our purpose. Mm. You know, he has a purpose, he has a plan, he has people, he's got a promise he's trying to do. Um, actually, Ephesians 2 in the New Living does a great job of alliterating these P's that way. It's like God's purpose, plan, people, promise. Um, and it's just like, wow, when you see that, it's like, God's got this under control, you know? Mm. Are we either going to work with him to accomplish through the communications we have and the, and the well, communications, but just through all the resources he's given us, are we going to come alongside him and what he's doing? Or are we going to just keep trying to build the house on our own? Mm. That's a good word. All right, now I'm preaching. <laughs> well, hey, let's, uh, let's take a pause right there because that was so powerful and profound. But let's take a moment to hear from today's sponsor. But when we come back, we'll continue our discussion with Aspire and Brian Soy. Are you looking to grow your ministry but don't have the money or marketing knowledge to make that happen? There's good news. Google offers an advertising grant to churches and ministries that is worth $10,000 per month. This means that if your ministry is a 501c3 nonprofit, you are eligible to receive $120,000 per year in free advertising dollars. This allows you to place ads at the top of Google search results pages and drive thousands of visitors to your ministry website every month. Our sponsor, Click Nonprofit, helps your ministry acquire this Google Ad Grant and then manages your Google Ads to ensure you get the most out of the grant. Schedule a free consultation at clicknonprofit.com to learn more about how this grant can help your specific ministry. Mention the Ministry Growth Show when you sign up to get 20% off your first three months of management. All right, welcome back to the Ministry Growth Show. We've been talking with Brian Soy from Aspire Branding about 12 communication principles that equip any ministry and leader to communicate with clarity. Uh, Brian, can you discuss the importance of consistency in our branding and, and how it con contributes to brand clarity? Yeah, consistency is so important. Um, you know, when we talk about branding, branding is the application and the creating of programs where we where we push the message of of the values and the, the, the words and the ideas around the brand that we want to create and what the perception we want to form in uh, our audience's mind. So consistency is important. You know, simple, clear messaging repeated over and over. So if there's one takeaway our, the listeners have from this. It's simple, clear messaging repeated over and over. Um, just you can't assume that even after seven or 20 times that that message is, has resonated or been heard. Um, visually, it, it, you know, branding creates um, so much consistency visually. Just applying your, your logo consistently creates familiarity for the audience. You know, they see something, they realize, oh, that's the visual representation of that organization, the brand. It means something. Uh, for instance, we work with a Christian school and we created this logo for them that's a shield. And inside that shield is an abstracted heart. And inside that heart is a, a reverse cross. And we say, um, the school's mission is exemplary, creating disciples through exemplary, in, sorry, 
The school's mission is creating disciples through exemplary education. And the shield, the, the logo represents the shield of faith, the cross of Christ, and the heart of a disciple. And it has become, in my opinion, the most recognizable uh, school logo in our region. It's mm. distinctive. It doesn't look like a cartoon character. It's, it's, it just stands out everywhere it is. And they do a great job of applying it consistently um, across everywhere across campus, in communications, athletic apparel. People love it. I mean, they've that's the thing. They've, it's become so well-known and familiar. People have adopted it, and they take it, and I've seen it sewn onto babies' onesies. I saw somebody mm. bedazzle it once on the back of a sweatshirt. Like, <laughs> not sure that's in the guidelines, but we'll let it go. Because yeah. they have started to own it. They get a sense of owner. So you, you, your customers, your donors, your supporters own your brand. Let them, let them take it, but, you know, give them the consistency to work with, not three versions, your you know, visual identity, one version. And it's really important because the smaller the organization is, the more the consistency there has to be across all channels and touch points because you've got limited opportunity for interaction, limited opportunity for um, touch points. And so between, it could be a week between times somebody you know, interacts with you. So you want that consistency to be there. So it becomes more familiar over time. Mm. So for instance, Zach, if I were to see you in three weeks and you had shaved your beard, epic beard and mustache, <laughs> and you say, it's, it's Zachary. And I'm like, who? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's happened to me like three times in the last three weeks where I see their LinkedIn photo and they, and then I see them and they've got a beard or something. I'm like, I didn't recognize you. That's right. And you want people to recognize your ministry quickly and easily so that they remember the positive associations they have and reinforce the positive perception of your brand. Mm. Yeah. So how can, how can ministries measure the success of, of their brand clarity efforts and their, maybe even their consistency efforts? Ooh, great question. So Jesus asked two questions. I think he was talking to Peter at Caesarea Philippi. Um, and Caesarea Philippi, if you've never been there, is a really dramatic place um, in Israel. And so this is where a lot, a lot of different like religions gathered. And so Jesus said, Peter, who do the people say I am? Like, holy cow, Jesus is doing market research. Mm-hmm. You know, like, who do the people say I am? So ask your congregation, ask, do a survey, open-ended question, ask your supporters, your attendees, your stakeholders, your volunteers, tell us what you think we are. And then evaluate those. It's, it's, it's going to take some work since it's open-ended, or you can give them a multiple choice. Um, and then ask your staff, who do you think we are? Because that was the second question Jesus asked. Who do you think I am? Mm-hmm. And he said, of course, he said, you're, you're the Messiah. Um, well, Jesus had been saying that and revealing that and demonstrating that over time. So those are those two questions are fantastic questions for gauging and measuring how well you have been clear with the people that you're communicating with. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. A profound idea, right? Ask our audience what what they think of us. Who knew? <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to discuss this idea of direct marketing, brand marketing. About, I don't know, two weeks ago, I watched a video on, oh, I'm spacing on his name, uh, Seth Godin talking about brand marketing and versus direct marketing. And as a brand specialist, I'm sure you've got some interesting ideas on the topic. So when I say brand marketing versus direct marketing, what are some of your initial thoughts? Ooh, I want to ask what Seth thought first, because I love Seth. Um, yeah. So, um, so brand marketing is really awareness building in its broadest. It, it's, it's, it's a lot, it's long-term marketing to attract people, to raise awareness, to educate people about the problem in the category, to inform and inspire people uh, about the problems they face or how the organization can help them solve the problem. But a lot of times brand, brand marketing doesn't really call to action. Um, so brand marketing is really a component of brand strategy um, and part of a long-term plan uh, to outmaneuver the competition. So if, if, if and, and you know, it's difficult to talk about competition when we're talking about ministries, you know, mm -hmm. instead of coopetition, you know, we're all, we're all on the same team, everybody. We're all, right. we're all advancing a kingdom. Whereas direct marketing is more focused on the core audience who's likely to be a donor or, um, take action right away to, to solve a specific problem or, or fulfill a goal in their life or meet a need in the organization. And so you're saying you're, you're making it very clear. We have this issue right now. We need your help to solve it. Will you make a donation or will you take this next step with us? Um, so, um, you know, church newsletters, a lot of times church newsletter is brand marketing. The church prayer list is direct marketing. We have a need. Can you pray for these people or these situations together? Whereas like church newsletter, the bulletins, like here's what's coming up. Here's what's going on, but it really doesn't call or inspire anybody to action, but it keeps people informed. Mm -hmm. That's good. Our clients yeah, challenge me on this a lot. What's that? Our clients challenge me on this a lot. They're like, Hey, I think we've done enough brand marketing. We need to do more, you know, direct marketing, drive revenue. Which is interesting because then they come back and said, you know, this brand marketing has been pretty good because it's helping drive revenue. I'm like, well, that, that was that was Seth's. Um, he described brand marketing versus direct marketing in a very similar way. Awareness marketing versus direct calls to action. Um, and his point was direct marketing, although it has a place and is necessary and um, is needed, right? We pay-per-click and our Google ad grant management stuff and our email campaigns that call people to action, all necessary and needed. But his argument was we're leaning so heavily on that stuff, right? Because we can measure it. It's easy to measure. That was, that was the big differentiation that he talked about was brand marketing. You can't measure brand marketing. There's no metrics that you can follow to see how we're doing in that space. Um, versus direct marketing, it, everything can be measured. Everything can be tracked. 
And so that's why there's a propensity for marketers to lean into that because I can prove as a marketer, I can prove my value by the statistics that I can show towards whatever success metrics you want to follow. Whereas brand marketing, it's a lot harder to track that. Um, uh, but how do we apply that, this this idea of brand marketing versus direct marketing within the, the faith-based nonprofit church space? Um, that's that's what I'm interested in, in one, learning more about. Um, I see a lot of direct marketing behaviors inside of the Christian nonprofit and church space, right? Everything is SEO and Google ad grant management and our content marketing, inbound marketing practices. We're taking worldly business marketing tactics and one-to-one slapping it on the church. Mm-hmm. And um, there's place for it. it. We absolutely need it. And it, it, it's a necessity, but I th- think we're missing out on incredible opportunities um, to you know, for these terms that we're using right now, develop brands and use brand marketing practices. And that it's not as measurable. It's not as, you know, guaranteed success, but in the long run, it's what Seth would argue is far, far more, um, has far greater potential for the sake of our organizations. And he was arguing for companies, but um, that's, and this, this is where it kind of gets weird in the nonprofit church space is, uh, again, are we building silos? Are we building our company and organization or are we trying to push forward the kingdom and present the gospel? And like, what does that actually look like? And what I would argue is story back to story. Like this all comes back to story, story and testimony um, are I believe, and I would argue, are the most powerful ways to um, build brand and build our brand marketing practices, because it testifies of and it it takes the focus off of our brand. We we get to build brand while taking focus off of our brand and our silo, and placing it on what God is doing through the organization. Testify, testify, testify. This is what God's doing. This is what God's doing. This is what God's doing. And before you know it, you've consumed so much value add content through story because there's intrinsic value in the story of his transformed life that if even if the brand doesn't show up in those stories as an audience member, man, God is clearly working through this ministry because all they feed me is story and testimony content of his transformational work. And absolutely, yes and amen, I want to be a part of this organization. I want to invest in these guys because not because the organization is necessarily the greatest organization that's ever existed. I just recognize that God is at work here. I want to be a part of that. right? And so story and testimony opens up this opportunity for brand marketing, right? again, using these terms, that direct marketing doesn't really have any space for. And so... That's kind of where I see it. How, how do we take what Seth was talking about um, and and apply it within this faith-based Christian nonprofit church space? Um, man, everything to me in my mind comes back to story and testimony. How do we how do we show what God's doing and reap the benefits that are gonna that are gonna show up for our organizations when we do that? 
Mm-hmm. Are we Again. supposed to answer that question? No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was no, just I... a, a thought experiment. I wanted to, I, because you are such a brand guy, I wanted to just hear your thoughts on that and and kind of have a discussion around it. Yeah. So when you think about it, so think about branding as being a relational activity where it's it's about nur- building and nurt- nurturing a relationship with people. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we think about it biblically, God continued to work to nurture a relationship with a tribe of people that he had set apart as holy. He wanted them separate from the world. And when you really dig, and, and it's this is things you don't see clearly in scripture, you know, there were practices that the nations around um, Israel were doing that God didn't want them doing. So he said, don't do those things. And he kept calling them back. He kept and he kept trying to win their hearts back, which is just like what we have to do all the time. So it's it's really about this missionary perspective on on the ch- the the church or the ministry being missionaries and saying, you know, we we just want a relationship with you. We want a relationship with you so we can introduce you to the relationship that's going to change your your life forever. Mm-hmm. Versus the transactional on the marketing side, that's all all about mercenaries. We're coming in and we're taking over. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's missionary versus mercenary approaches. Um, and brand marketing is really about building community and forming identity. I want to, <clears throat> excuse me, I want to be part of an organization where I identify as one of the people who's in there. If I don't feel like I fit, well, I, you know, enough of a misfit on my own. I don't want to be in an organization where I don't feel like I fit. Um, and I want to, I want to be somewhere where I feel I can contribute. So identity and community somewhere I belong. And that's where the, that's, that's where the strongest brands are built, where there's a, where the, the brand and the tribe share a set of values. And so it's, it is really about connecting at that relational level. And if it's just about a transaction that doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. So you can use the testimony uh, again, that, you know, before I before I started attending this church, I mean, I talked with a guy just earlier today. He said, you know, like I had this journey where I explored a lot of different options, and then I decided on this one church. And you know, now we we attend there on Sundays, and our family goes there. It's made a huge difference in our life. Um, churches are full of stories of those people, but they never get a chance to tell them, mm-hmm. or it's some awkward. You know, they're putting some, you know, they're just, they're not authentic. They're always staged and it's just, mm-hmm. they got to be real. You know, there's this balance between producing something that, that looks just professional enough or it doesn't look like you had your, your cell phone in your hand and it was bouncing around versus authentic where the people are actually just giving an, a true testimony of this is my experience and this is my experience. And if you, if we talk, I just want to tell you these things because this is what happened to me and it could happen to you too. It may look different, but the common point is what happens in the middle. Who you interact with, what opportunity you have to interact with the ministry or even the salvation story, just trust Christ for your salvation. That invites them into a bigger story than the one they can live on their own. Hmm. I love what you said about the most successful brands are building community 
right? And that comes brings us back to that earlier discussion we had on on brand values. When we're communicating clearly what our values are and attracting those that have and share those same values, there's a community that's building around that that um, becomes really, really powerful. And that's that's why you see some of these the most successful brands in the world um, have audiences that will literally do anything the brand says. Like Mr. Beast is a, I keep coming back to Mr. Beast as a perfect example. This guy, it's fascinating to watch what he's done. Like he's built brand. He's a brand marketer. He's building brand through story and narrative. And, and he's doing it on a regular and consistent basis over a long period of time. And he's done it so consistently and provided so much value through story and narrative that when he goes and he says, I've got a candy bar that I want to sell you, or I've got a hamburger that I want to deliver to your front door. Like what is Mr. Beast doing selling hamburgers and chocolate bars? That doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense, except for the fact that he's built so much brand loyalty and brand advocacy uh, around the story and narratives that he's telling that people are bought into literally he could sell Anything he wanted, he could sell a car, he could sell a computer, he could sell a service. I mean, you name it, he would, he can sell anything and his audience would show up because he's provided so much value through story and narrative, right? That this is the new commodity. This is the next oil run. This is the next energy run. This is the next, um, rail, like this attention, uh, and really story and narrative through entertainment is is the next big thing the next big commodity and he is taking advantage of that and so what can we learn from that christian nonprofit ch- space church space what can we learn from what he is doing what others are doing the dude perfects of the world that man their audiences will literally do anything that they say buy anything that they say to buy they're using story and narrative. We have the greatest story ever told on repeat, right? We, the church has access to the greatest stories ever told, death to life transformation. And we are busy talking about our organizations and our strategies and our models. We're busy inviting people into our Sunday services. Our, we're creating promotional content like you wouldn't believe. We're come to our Easter event, our Christmas event. We're writing, we're creating knowledge transfer, Bible training and curriculum, like all of those things are good. Our podcasts, our felt needs articles, none of those things are bad. I would never argue against any of those things. We're just leading with the wrong thing in the digital space. We're leading Mm. with the wrong stuff. It's not contextually relevant to how people behave in this space, right? And Mm. so, man, we have the, the most powerful stories that the world has ever seen because we share in Christ's death and resurrection, Romans six. And when we look at, when we do research on what, what kind of content the church is producing, less than 1% of it is story or testimony. Like that's mind blowing to me. Right. And yet the world knows this, the world is taking advantage of story and narrative to incredible uh, effect. And, and we've kind of punted and defaulted, to the world on that. And man, there's so much opportunity to use story and narrative for the sake of the gospel um, and to build 
back to that brand marketing discussion to build brand around our organizations and, and communicate. I had a friend that, um, his name is Mike Henderson. He was the creative director for, uh, REI when they did the, um, get outside campaign or opt outside campaign, like mm-hmm. one of the most successful campaigns in outdoor lifestyle marketing history. Right. And the thing that was really cool about what he talked about is story carries our brand beliefs to our audience. That's the, that's the medium that carries our brand beliefs to our audience. And so, man, if we're, if we're trying to figure out how do we, it's yes, it's a communicate clarity of communication thing. Uh, we have to figure out how to clearly communicate our brand beliefs and commu- clearly communicate what we do, how we do it, why we do it. Um, but when we have those things established, when we have that foundational, clear communication established, it's our stories that carry those things to our audience. Right? I can have the most clear communica- clearly communicated website the world has ever seen. The most amazing, this is, this is maybe my frustration with this whole process, mm-hmm. the most amazing lead generating PDF that you have ever seen. And if you're not landing on my site, it doesn't matter. Right. So how do we how do we carry those clear communication structures to our audience? How do we carry our beliefs as an organization to our audience? It's through our stories. That's the thing that is at least the most powerful way in which to carry those those brand beliefs. And so, yeah, yeah, that's my thoughts on that. Yeah, no, it's absolutely true. And those stories have to have to be. They have to be in formats that appeal to all types of people. Video is clearly one of the most powerful ways for story to be conveyed. So mm-hmm. think of the I am second videos. Think of what was that recent one that hit uh, during the Super Bowl? Um, yes, he gets us is a pretty gets us. popular and those were campaign right now. Yeah. So those were very powerful. Um, you know, it gets you there. It's, you're like on the ground you're, or wherever it's, or it's, it's very, it's like one-to-one, but there's, you know, People read, people still read, believe it or not. Um, mm-hmm. you know, stories, you know, well-written stories that are um, like that. I, you know, start, part of storytelling is visual. Um, we have a, we have a um, visual storytelling guide on our website that people can download that just talks about the power of visual elements in story. Um, I think, yeah, it's, you know, because I come from a design background, you know, Design persuades if, you know, type, I mean, type can tell a story type can type can take the words that are just on the paper and through emphasis and through um, angle and through color and through contrast and through um, shape, make something that just, you know, God so loved the world. I can make that look amazing Mm -hmm. visually and more powerful and more memorable than just maybe just hearing those words. Oh, absolutely. So it's, it's a matter of speaking. It's, it's telling the story in a way that the audience is listening for and watching and needs Mm -hmm. to hear it. And it's not always one way. So that's why across media, we, you know, the, the content the church is producing, I think part of the reason it misses the mark is it doesn't meet people where they are. Dude Perfect. It's just Dude Perfect. They're having fun. Yeah. But when you look into Dude Perfect story, man, 
these guys are believers, you know, that's mm-hmm. at the core. And it's like, and I don't know a whole lot about Mr. Beast, but this is the second podcast actually this week where we've talked about him. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, I understand the historian. I was like, wow. So he was doing, but he wasn't posturing with it. I mean, I think like he's selling the burgers, but then he also takes the money and gives it to people without almost like without saying, Hey, I did this in the name of Jesus. It's like, no, I was just answering the call to help people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, yeah, there's a lot of nuance there and a lot of different ways. It's, uh, you know, one of, one of the things I've tried to meet business leaders and entrepreneurs where they are by writing about what I call the intersection of work and faith. Mm. Um, there's so many lessons in the Bible that aren't like business lessons, but that can apply to how we work every day and how we are faith-driven professionals. And, you know, that that's where my insight about those two questions Jesus asked. It's like, oh my gosh, he's asking two customer experience questions. Um, mm-hmm. uh, my strategy philosophy that we, we learn from hindsight. Um, we speak with insight and we act with foresight straight out of scripture Mm. because the net Bible and its previous edition called Jesus, the extraordinary strategist. And so I named, renamed my blog, the extraordinary strategist. Mm. So there's so many, there's so much in scripture and that would mean nothing to people if I didn't tell the story. It's like, Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Extraordinary strategist, you know, no strategy is like a military operation. How are we going to win? Mm-hmm. And so churches have be, have fallen to being nice versus having enough of a backbone to think, how are we going to win? Mm-hmm. No offense to church. Well, yeah. Okay. So, you know, how are we going to win? It's the God, the Lord of armies, you know, this culture is offending the Lord of armies. And so mm-hmm. what, what did Hezekiah do when the king of Assyria came, I believe it was the king of Assyria, I was just reading this in the morning, and said, I'm going to tear down your walls and we're going to kill all your people. And Hezekiah's like, I'm just going to lay this letter before the Lord and pray over it. And God said, I heard you, told Isaiah, tell, tell Hezekiah, I heard you. He insulted the Lord of armies. And this is my battle now. Mm. We can't win the battle just with our own stories. We have to tell God's story in this. Mm. He's the power. Well, that whole idea of who he who controls a narrative controls culture. We've Mm. back to this idea of storytelling and testimony. We've, we've punted to the world post Renaissance control over narrative and story. They're using it to great effect against us. I mean, I could list off a thousand different ways in which they're using story and narrative to dominate the conversation in culture. <clears throat> and we are busy in the church functioning in literacy-based communication with our logic and our reason uh, and our three-point sermons where you, you said something about meeting people where they're at. Our theology would say yes and amen, Right. We serve the only God that stepped down off the mountain, meets us where we're at in our brokenness and depravity, and says, I'm going to make a way to pull you out of this. I'm going to do this for you. 
instead of all other gods saying, you got to get up to the top of the mountain on your own. Good luck. Mm -hmm. Right. So our theology says, yeah, our God meets us where we're at. Our practices in the digital space, though, war against that. I mean, it's so far drastically different than that behavior. It's come to us, come to us, come to us, come to our sermon our weekly service, come to our trunk or treat event, come to our Easter service, our Christmas event, come to our stuff, come consume our content, come listen to our podcast, right? We're not entering into this. This is, and this is within the context of the digital conversation. And so I want to make that, um, that distinction, but we're not entering into the mess and being contextually relevant in that space. Contextual relevance says, People go to digital to be entertained, to veg out, to consume story and narrative. Mr. Beast and Dude Perfect are perfect examples of that playing out to success, right? Mm -hmm. We're going and we're not communicating in those ways. We're not communicating in how people behave in that space. We're, and yet we have the greatest, this is my point. Like we have the greatest stories ever told. We have the blueprint, right? Testify of what I've done. Um, I like to talk about and give the example of the man possessed by demon legion in that story, Christ, this man possessed by his entire life by this demon or this legion of demons has a transformational experience with Christ in an afternoon, you know, and after that transformational experience says to Christ, I want to follow you and be your disciple the rest of my life. And Jesus tells him, no, I want you to go and testify of what you've seen here today. That's the, that's the mission that he gives this man and he does it. He obeys. He goes into his community in the Decapolis. He testifies of what Jesus has done in his life. They've all known him his entire life. So they've known this man post Christ or pre Christ transformation and post transformation. So they see what happened. That's clear to them. And the next and only time Christ, Jesus and the disciples come through that community, that region of the world is the feeding of the 4,000. So you have 12 to potentially 15,000 men, women, and children prepared to receive the gospel because of one man's testimony, right? Story and testimony prepare us emotionally to receive the gospel. Jesus says this in Matthew 13, 13, when the disciples ask him, why do you share so many stories? Why do you use parables so often? And he says in the, the message translation, um, I know there's a lot of controversy about that translation, but I like the translation because Jesus says really clearly in that I share stories and use parables to prepare people to receive my insights, to prepare people to receive the gospel. It's Simon Sinek's limbic brain neocortex. My neocortex, my logic, reasoning, science-based side of the brain is not prepared to receive the gospel that from a literacy-based communication perspective until I've been emotionally engaged, limbic brain, right? This is basic psychology of um, purchases and consumption, right? I'm not ready to make a purchase decision until I've been emotionally engaged, Right? That's why the story brand or narrative marketing works so well, because it's communicating first with the limbic brain. This is exactly happening in the story of the man possessed by demon legion. It's, it happens when 
Jesus explains why he uses story. I use story to emotionally engage with the limbic brain to prepare people to receive my insights, to prepare people to receive the gospel. Man, we are not leading with story and testimony in our communication efforts. We're just not. And it's the greatest opportunity we have, I think, to engage with people in this digital space where they're spending most of their time, energy, and focus. And invi- and then as we engage around that kind of content, engage them and, and invite them in and call them to action and invite them into journeys, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so, yeah. Any thoughts on that before we wrap up? Because I know... I want to make sure that we're respectful of your time. Yeah, no, that's an excellent point. Um, and, you know, and the other thing to note about Jesus' interaction with that man is that he said, let's go to the other side of the lake. So he came from over near Capernaum mm-hmm. to that side of the lake, which was primarily a Gentile area. And then after that, and when that was less than a day, they came overnight, interacted mm-hmm. with this man, and then they turned around and went back. That was like his sole purpose for going over there. Completely then, trust that that the feeding of the 4,000 to this man's one story. Right. Like, and That's profound. Yeah. And then, you know, and where he fed those 4,000 is, is a little farther away down around toward the end of the Galilee there. Um, but it's just, it's just interesting to... You know, it's like that 99 and one story where he says, mm-hmm. you know, I'll go search. He came to find that one person. We would call that, I mean, it's, it's going to share that, you know, in, in the marketing language, it's like priming. I'm going to tell you these things now. I'm going to set you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, he didn't then spend, you know, I'll go through my 12 week program. <laughs> go testify about what you've done. Do, do you think the church is, is making it harder than it needs to be for us as the people to be empowered to just tell our story. Maybe it's yeah. the wrong people telling the story. Hmm. Well, yeah, he's not seminary trained. He's not educated. He's not, he doesn't have the a PhD behind his name. And yet Christ trusts him to testify of what he's seen here today and prepare 4,000 people to receive the gospel. However many, however, however long it is before they come back to that region. And, yeah. That's got to be the message that pastors and ministry leaders and nonprofit leaders tell their staff and volunteers and donors. You're ready because Christ chose you. He mm. told you this. Now just go tell people what you've experienced and what he's yeah. done for you. Yep. And obviously that, that, that that's not to say that we don't learn our Bibles as best as possible. We don't get educated. We don't go through the Bible training and the education transfer content and the, you know, not to say we don't do any of those things, Mm -hmm. right? But we're, we're, if we have a story, if we have, if we've been transformed by Christ, if Christ has redeemed us, we're ready. You're ready, right? Go and testify of what you've seen here today. You at least have that. Right? You may mm-hmm. not be able to understand the correct apologetics arguments to convince an atheist of the trueness of Christ, but you have your story. This is my experience and what Christ has done in my life. Revelation 19.10, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What, what God has done in my life 
he can do in your life too. Exactly. And the beauty of that is you don't need, like you said, you don't need to know your apologetics or hermeneutics. You can just say like, listen, if they, if anybody objects, you just say, look, I, I can't answer those questions, but this is my story and you can't That's dispute. Yeah. <laughs> I just did a, I just did a YouTube video on, we are living in a relative truth or experiential truth world. How do we reach a worldview that has that experiential truth or relative truth worldview, right? We would argue for absolute truth. Yes. And amen. The Bible is absolute truth. Uh, but if you don't, if you're not, if your worldview doesn't sit on that same absolute truth playing field, it becomes irrelevant. And so how do you engage with a culture that has that worldview? This is my story. This is what I can tell you Christ has done in my life. And that opens up opportunity for the Holy spirit to work and to open mm-hmm. up somebody's heart. And, and, and for that person receiving that story or listening to that story to go, okay, like obviously I believe in experiential truth. That's that person's truth but they're testifying of God's transformational work and it opens up opportunity for the Holy spirit to do its work. So, well, Brian, I want to make sure I'm respectful of your time. We're, we're past time here. This has been an amazing conversation. I've really enjoyed it. If people want to get a hold of you and learn more, um, they want to follow some of the content you're producing. How can they get a hold of you? Yeah. Thanks for asking that there. So there's um, my professional website, aspire, A E S. P-I-R-E.com. And if you go to aspire.com slash books, you can find the book I referenced earlier. And then I think, you know, for some of your listeners too, I write a blog, uh, an online journal called Entre Worship, and it's about the intersection of work and faith. Oh, and that's cool. like entrepreneurship and worship. So entreworship.com. So aspire.com and entreworship.com. Um, awesome. And I'll be sure to put those in the show notes. Yeah. Thanks, Zachary. Can I pray for you and Aspire? Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Father, we just thank you so much for this conversation. Um, Got to talk about things both Brian and I love, uh, the spaces that you've called us into. And uh, thank you that we get to be part of this. We get to be part of your redemptive work um, in whatever capacity that looks like. Uh, We just thank you for the gifts, talents, and abilities you've given us and the ideas and Thank you for this conversation and the blessing that I know it was to me. Pray that you would bless Brian and his his company and guide and lead him and his team as they help and serve companies and and organizations and ministries um, all over the world. Father, we thank you for Brian's heart and his skill set and experience. Um, We pray that it would just, yeah, just be a blessing to his clients. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Zach. Brian, thanks so much for being on the show. We appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. This is great. I love to be able to talk about Jesus and God and the Lord in the context of what we do every day. Yeah, it's super fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ministry Grow Show. If you enjoyed it, we'd appreciate it if you rate and or review us on the iTunes store. And make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you have a story to share with other ministry directors and pastors, or know someone who would be an incredible guest on the Ministry Grow Show, let us know. We love connecting with ministry executives and sharing their wisdom and insight with our audience. Just send us an email at info at reliantcreative.org. And lastly, 
If you need help telling your ministry story, we would love to share how we can help in that process. Check out Reliant Creative at ReliantCreative.org. See you next time.